I wanted to jump into a message today. It may just be a little different than what we were expecting. Um, I, I, I spent some time studying through the book of Acts. And um, you, you know a preacher's going to get in trouble if he's going to the book of Acts. I mean, because when you read the book of Acts and you begin to see how God moved in the early church, it just builds a hunger inside of you to see that again. And honestly, it was, it was several uh, uh, weeks ago, the Lord laid this message on my heart, but I've wrestled with it all week, even up to yesterday, because I was like, oh, man. Because um, I, I, I thought I'd come back and, you know, you, you'd share, oh, this is something I thought about, prayed about this, some thought about, prayed about this. Uh, these, I, but this message today would be entitled this, what kind of church is this? What kind of church is this? And I'm just going to spill the beans here. If, if you just want if you just want to know exactly what's the point Scott's going to make to it's a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church. It's a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church. This isn't anything new to us. In fact, most of you know that uh, Megan and I, when we moved here, moved back here um, uh, over 20 years ago, we started Pathway. And it's been a part of the DNA from the very beginning. But when you think about what kind of church this is, much of what we're going to talk about, even over the next few months, will be a clarion call back uh, to, to what we see in the book of Acts. This, this isn't a new vision. It's, it's been here all along. But as we started our church, I, I remember back in the early days, we joked around how about, it seemed like every six months, when I say early days, I'm talking like way back. I'm like 2000 here. We started the church in 2000. We didn't even text message back then. <laughs> because if you did, it might cost you 10 cents a text. So we had cell phones, barely. But in 2000, I, I remember all the way back there, and I remember every six months, we'd often just, we'd joke around and say, man, it's time to take another faith step. It's time to do something radical. Every three to six months as a leadership team, we'd just be like, what? Just, it feels too starchy. We gotta take a step. Let's do something. Let's believe God for some mountain to move. Let's, and I, I, I think God is, is wanting us to live there, to be there as a church. And we, we need to go, we need to be full of the spirit of God, centered on Jesus. Even the start of this church, the first service we ever had was December 3rd of 2000. And even that date, it's just smothered just in the spirit of God. Say, why is that? I'm not saying there's something magical about that day, but I I remember in October of 2000, we went to this church planters boot camp. What is a church planters boot camp? Well, if you think about boot camp and people that are starting, it's exactly what that was. I mean, it was stress. I mean, you didn't have people getting in your face saying, but it was close. It's like, so if someone gets saved in your church, what are you going to do with it, Dan, mister? I mean, it, that, that might be. <laughs> when do they get baptized? I mean, yeah, it was, it was, you had to think through all these different thoughts. And, and they were pushing it. If, if you're going to start a church, let's have some, some structure to this thing. And overall, it was good. Kind of stressful, but we had dinner with one of the guys who wrote the book on church planting. You know those types. <laughs> the, the ones who write the books about whatever it is that is their expertise, and of course they all know best. And So we had dinner with them, and 
And this guy was asking all of us at the table, he's like, when are you starting? And we said, um, hi, I'm Scott, this is Megan, and we're starting December 3rd of 2000. And his first reaction, Governor's like, why? I was like, I don't know, I just thought people are going to hell, we need to win them. I don't, December 3rd. That's right in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. What were you thinking? I said, uh, yeah, I, apparently we weren't thinking smartly. I don't know. And he goes on to say, well, you need to wait until Easter. That's the best time to start your church. You wait till Easter a couple months later and go off and down, down because you're between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and then you're going to have a downer. It's not going to be good. It's, it's not going to be successful. And I remember him, him having that kind of a tone. He didn't say it's not going to be successful, but he said it would be more successful if you moved it to another. And, and, and all I knew is, I, was, I don't know, we just chose a date. It wasn't, we weren't like fasting and praying. It's like, and the Lord said, December 3rd, uh, it shall be. It, was, it wasn't anything like that. I was just like, Okay, and so really, I, it stressed me out though because this is the guru. This is the guy who wrote the book. And so on the way home, flying from Denver because we were up in the, the Rocky Mountains at this retreat center, like at nighttime, don't go near the trash because there's bears there in the mountains, Rocky Mountains. And, 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 and so we came down out of the mountains and we got on the plane on the way home. I, I, I'm a pretty calm, uh, I, it takes a lot to shake me up. I'm not bragging, I'm saying it's just my, my personality. Maybe the only time in my life where I came close to having a panic attack on, the, on that plane, I was like, Megan, I can't do this, I can't do this. You ever see that movie where the, the lady starts freaking out and they're like, get a hold of yourself. And then, Maybe give it a try. Give a hold of yourself. That's what I needed. And so it said, Megan was like, just, it's going to be okay. <laughs> the B I B L E, yes, that's the book for me. I literally was freaking out. And why do I share that story with you? I, wish, I share that story with you because I just want to be very clear. <laughs> Most of you, when you came here this morning, maybe you didn't expect this message, but I just felt so strongly, we need to set a tone here. This church was not and will not continue to be built on the ingenuity of this guy or of any of our staff. It will be built on the ingenuity and the power of the Holy Spirit. On Jesus at the center. Go ahead. Go ahead if you agree with that. I'm not smart enough. None of us are. we got a great staff. But I'm telling you, none of us are smart. I've got a great leadership team. None of us are smart enough to, to, to know exactly how to make this happen, how to, to reach more people. But I'm absolutely convinced, according to the word of God, as we stay on our knees before the Lord and we let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. And, and that's what we did that fall. You know, and it, That was September. I went to the boot camp. Uh, October, we're in our small group. Meaning all that fall, we met with a small group of people. There was 13 people, five kids, eight adults. That was Pathway when we started. Five kids, eight adults. We're in this little small group, and, and the Holy Spirit began to move in our little small group thing there, and, and Megan spoke up and said, you know, I really feel like, Megan's my wife, I really feel like God's got a word we need to share here. And, and the, the sense of it was this. If you would have gone in the Old Testament and you would have read a manual on how to take the city of Jericho, <laughs> how to destroy a city. First, the first day, march around like crazy people. The second day, march around twice. And then get all the way to the seventh day. And then at the end of that, blow trumpets, shout to God, and those walls are going to come tumbling down. Would have that been in a manual? Of course it would not have been. 
but it's what God had called them to do and told them to do. And what the Holy Spirit was saying to us through a prophetic word that was shared in that little small group, <laughs> it was this, stay the course, do what, follow my lead and I will bless it. That last Sunday uh, in November, we had a small group, 13 people, five kids, eight adults. And we were like, I don't know how many are gonna show up next week. It was right up here at the Outpost RV. We met in their garage. I don't know how many are gonna show up. We didn't even have signs. I remember that only because I listened to the message. The first message I ever preached, December 3rd, 2000. I listened to it the other day. And, and the first thing I did is I welcomed everyone and I said, I'm so glad you made it here because we had no signs up. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had ordered signs, but they hadn't come yet. So we, we started a church on the first day. We didn't even have signs to say, this is where we're at. This, this is why I want you to know that <clears throat> that first Sunday, uh, we jumped from about 13 people. We set up chairs. We had great faith, 35, 40 chairs. We thought this is going to be a great group in this garage. Who's going to come to church in the garage? Hey, 35, 40, this is the first day. Okay. And people started coming in and people started coming in. <laughs> and after a while, I'm pulling people that I don't even know. Can you help us set up chairs? <laughs> Would you be an usher today? <laughs> and end up being 96 people there that first Sunday. And this, and I, only, I only share that number, go ahead. I only share that number, not braggadociously, because in some big cities, that would be a small start. But I, I just want to say, it's, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by the leading of the spirit. If, if we miss, if we, if we are not a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church, we are missing the destiny and the reason why God ever brought us to Middlebury, Indiana in the first place. We must, we must be this. This isn't, this isn't anything new. I mean, what kind of church is are we? What kind of church is this? That's really the kind of church we've been from the beginning. The Great Commission was, uh, was a huge part of the starting documents of this church. <laughs> it's because it's in the Bible, but the, the, all the Bible was. But you think about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. This is our call. This was a part from the very beginning. The, um, we, we, we have the great uh, commandment as well. And that's found in Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Been with us since the very beginning. You go back to messages that I would, that I would preach in the very beginning. This is, this is who we are. This is kind of, Jesus is at the center. His heartbeat, his desire. As you see the book of Acts, you see God's plan for his church lived out. And, and uh, warts and all. That's the thing I love about the book of Acts. And I, and I love also about the Gospel of Luke. I mean, um, many of the, they share warts and all. They share all kinds of stuff that is like, uh, you could have probably left that one out there. The whole fight between Paul and Barnabas. I mean, it was so bad that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas went separate ways. It's in the Bible. Have you ever had such a fight with somebody, another believer, and you end up, oh my goodness. They put that in there. Why? Because that's life. I love this. But, but another, another passage of scripture that's been with us since the very beginning and the Holy Spirit brought it back to the forefront just several years ago as we've developed our whole vision of our church around this is Acts 2.42. I, I want to spend just, just a few moments just talking through this. I know 
you've heard me talk about Acts 2.42 for a long time. You've heard me preach messages on it, but I, I, just, I just felt like when, when, if we're going to define today, what kind of church is this? We, we've got to define it from the perspective of, of, of Acts 2.42. What's that look like? Well, look at the first, first part, Acts 2.42, and, and they devoted themselves. Stop. And the apostle Peter and, and the other apostles gathered around and twisted everybody's arms and said, you'll love Jesus or else. <laughs> Come on, guys. We got to get to... We got to get to worship. Come on, guys. You got to get your lives right, you know. Now, the thing I love about this is you see this. They devoted themselves. They committed themselves to this. It, it wasn't coerced. It was, a, it was such a powerful, genuine move of God coming off of, of the day of Pentecost and Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, kind of a big thing. And then uh, they prayed and, and the Holy Spirit fell, and they devoted themselves. They, there was a devotion. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much, yes, God has gifted. Jesus has gifted the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, missionaries, teachers, he, he's, he, pastors. He's, he's gifted those. Ephesians chapter 4 says that this is Jesus' gift to the church, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We understand that. But it doesn't negate the fact that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can shove his head down in the water. <laughs> I've tried doing that with some believers before. It's like, <laughs> I mean, come on. You haven't got it yet? Come here. <laughs> Hold you down. Just have faith, you know. Now, it's got to be a, a divine want to inside of you. Scott, I just, I don't know about this whole, I mean, I love Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Christ, but I don't feel I'm very good at it. Well, let me just ask you, just ask God, God, give, if you feel like you don't have a divine want to, to be a believer, then ask the Lord. Light the fire inside of me. I want to, to be that kind of a believer. I don't want to just be sitting around and, and just wait till there's a good service or, oh, I love that song. Now I'll worship. Or, you know what, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'll go to church today or not. I, okay, I'll go to church today. No, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to spend some time in prayer. I can't wait to open up scripture and just see what does God have to say to me today? They devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? Hold on, this has been bugging me the whole service. Whoever's guitar pick this is, I'm just telling you this. Is. <laughs> you see, if I, you can do that because it's your first study. They teach you just ignore everything that might be a distraction. That was too much of a distraction. <clears throat> they devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? The apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to the word of God. What kind of church is this? It's a church that's absolutely 100% devoted to the word of God. And we believe this is truth. Hold on. It's, it really doesn't matter what we believe because it is truth. This is truth. Uh, we learn it, we accept it, and we act on it. Oh, we're not perfect. But we learn it, we accept it, okay. And then we act on it. I, um, I read a book called... Um, uh, read a bunch of books while I was on a sabbatical. One of them was School of the Spirit 
by a guy named Pastor Lee Cummings. And um, he said this, it's kind of sharp, but I'm going to say it. American Christianity has become an amalgamation of shallow self-help, fortune cookie optimism, and occasionally solid theology. You know, not every church is that way. Listen, not every church is that way. But I've seen it, and it breaks my heart. Because if we start building our belief system on what we think, if we start building our belief system even on what our our pastor thinks, it's going to fall flat. But if we build our our theology and what we believe on the word of God, it's not going to return void, it says. This is where the strength is. This is where the power is. Um, I'm going to quote again Lee Cummings because I thought this was interesting in in a message he shared Five deceptions that will destroy the church if allowed. Five deceptions that will destroy the church if we allow it. And I thought, man, this is interesting. I want to toss this in there real quick. Syncretism. Syncretism. What is this? Just think about, I know it's a big word, especially for me, but syncretism. The idea that we mix Christianity with something else. We mix Christianity with Buddhism or, or we mix Christianity with Islam or that, you know what? I think really all religions go to the same place and get you there. And I understand why people say that, but the truth of the matter um, is it's not true because um, Jesus pretty, pretty much makes it clear that he is the way, the truth and the life. The only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes people get mad at me. And get mad at churches like ours. You're like, well, who are you to say? I'm not saying it. It's the Bible. And we made, we've made a decision to put our faith in God. And we believe this is the, the written word of God. And so we trust it. And, and I, I just want you to think, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Maybe I'll develop this further later on. But where are some places right now that you can think where, where people, Christians, well-meaning, have taken and mixed in other belief systems and made it something that Jesus never meant it for it to be. Let's go to the second thing, postmodernism. It's the idea that truth is, is, is um, it's relative, and we need to, therefore, we need to reshape the gospel. We need to reshape scripture. You know, this whole part about this or that. Okay, let's just toss this out there. I completely understand in our culture today, there is gender confusion, and it's straight out of the pit of hell, and, and, and if you struggle with that, I want you to know your pastor prays for you and, and God wants to speak truth to you. And the truth of the matter is there, there, there are two genders. There's a man and there's a woman. And I know some, for some of you, it's a struggle to really, because of the, the voice of outside, the voice of the world. But we as a church cannot bend to the latest whim of, of, of the world. And if the world says, really, that's not that big of a deal. When I say the world, I mean people who aren't followers of Christ. We have to hold true to what the word of God says. And we can't just bend it because we don't like it. We have to say, we don't, we don't just say, okay, now, um, how can I just look? Okay, I'm going to take that, but that I'm going to, eh, not so much. I'm going to take that. No, we have to take it all. It's the word of God. How about this third thing, Libertarianism. I just have liberty. I'm, I have liberty. I can do this. 
I'll just, it's no big deal. I'll just, I'll, I, God loves me. I've prayed the prayer, invited Jesus in my heart. I'm born again. I'm, I'm saved. And I know if I go out and I just do whatever sin or whatever, I know that it's good. It's no big deal. And when really it is. I've, I've even heard people, I've told you this before. I've heard people say, well, I'm looking for a, um, a grace church. I'm looking for a church that falls more in the grace side of things. I kind of understand what they're saying because I, let's be honest, especially in this community, there, there are some churches in, in, that are very rule-oriented and you keep these rules or else you're gonna go to hell. It's very rules, rules, rules. What happens then is I see believers go completely the other way. You know, they go complete. It's, it's not rule. And you're right. Those rules don't save you. It's, you're only saved by faith in Christ and receiving that salvation through grace alone, right? So we, we can't do that. But the fact of the matter is, is we can't slide the other way. Where, where everything we do is like, um, there's no thought at all of, of, of that my sin might separate me from God. And I know we could get into a whole debate here of can you lose your salvation or not? What I found is this. I, I believe scripturally, yes, you can. Um, I think it takes a whole lot to lose your salvation. But my Baptist friends and, 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 and some of you even here that would believe differently than me, um, often I think we end up coming to the same conclusion because what my Baptist friends will say is that person was never saved in the first place. <laughs> and what I would say is actually I think they were, but then they fell back. And I don't have time to go into that. But the, the, the fact of the matter is this, is we've got to stay away from cheap grace, Fact of the matter is, Luke 9 says, Then he said to them, If anyone who come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The moment I give my life to Christ, it's not just praying a prayer. It's drawing a line in the sand and say, I'm going this way towards Jesus, not that way away from him. Uh, keep going. Fourth thing, universalism. This is the idea that everyone goes to heaven. There's no judgment, there's no hell, and it's not biblical. Matthew chapter seven says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few finds it. How can I find that, Scott? It's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ. Let me share the fifth one and that's legalism. You can save yourself by working and doing more Sometimes religious legalism, other times it's self-help religious. <laughs> it's just like, I just have to be the best me that I can be. I have to, you, you, all these phrases that sound almost even like they could be pulled out of Proverbs, maybe, I don't know, maybe at least the message translation, you know, uh, just, you know. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I've, I have to be the best me that I can be, and so therefore I'm doing this and that. No, 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 no. The moment you surrender your life to Christ, listen to me, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. I no longer, I, I, my, my identity is now not in who I am and how I can be the best me I can be. It's how much can I be like Jesus? How much can I die to myself, my desires, my wants? And you say, I, I, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me. I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
people twisting, all five of these, people twisting truth of scripture. We must, what kind of church is this? This is a, this is a Bible-believing church. This is a church that, that accepts this as the word of God and says, we're not gonna twist it. We're not gonna be perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't the church for you. In fact, here's, here's a scoop. As soon as you or I show up at a church, it makes it an imperfect church. Because <laughs> there's not going to be any perfect church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Let's keep going. To the fellowship. The other day in my devotion times, I was rocked by this verse from Romans. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you got together with another believer and you experienced that? As the Holy Spirit, uh, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't even like a big, it was just part of my regular daily reading. I, was, I got done with the book of Acts, so I jumped right into the book of Romans. And as I read that, I thought, oh God, let that be our life group ministry. Oh man, just came alive in my heart. I started praying that. God, that every time our life groups, which we're getting ready to start here in a couple of weeks, every time they get together, that there'd be this mutually encouraging to one another. Are you with me on that? I mean, where, where you say, well, I don't know if I want to be in a life group. I don't really like people. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I get it. I understand. There's some of you, honestly, you don't have a high need for that. You don't have a high need for the fellowship piece. You don't have a high need to get, it makes you nervous. But let me just encourage you with something. You got something that they need. There, there's a mutually encouraging of the faith. And, and you might be someone like, ah, I'm not really a small group person, not really a life group person. Well, I'm just telling you, you're, you're, you're taking away an opportunity for the Lord to use you to minister to someone else and for them to encourage and minister to you. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the, the, the body they devoted themselves to one another. Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily. You see the underlined part? Encourage one another daily, daily. John chapter 13, a new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm. That, that, that people, people, who are new to Pathway could come into this church. What kind of church is this? There's a lot of love in that place. <laughs> I remember in the early days, we, we built this sanctuary with volunteer help and with the help of the dudes in the church and even some ladies in the church um, that some who could out nail me, right, Deb? I mean, so, so, you, could, you could put... And, and uh, yeah, it, it was funny because we would pull up on the church land as we were building this and all these pickup trucks would pull up with their tools in the back and all the, and here I am in my Chevy Lumina four door. <laughs> I was like the least likely, I voted least likely to ever construct a church, Scott Miller. But God had called me to lead, so I, I'd make decisions and I'd do everything I could to try to help. But, but it was, this thing was built, and I, I remember when at the very peak, as soon as we could, there was a cross that someone nailed, one of our volunteers nailed on there. And so literally, you'd come around the curve at the Essen House, and the first thing you see is this, this cross outside. Now you see the spire and whatever, but there's this cross. And I mean, we're still under construction. This is it's still woods exposed and everything. And I remember walking into the bank downtown, 
And this dear lady come run up to Oh, Scott, I saw the cross. I saw the cross. I'm like, well, praise God, you got saved. What's going on here? I've never seen someone so excited at the bank about Jesus, you know. And, and they say, oh, they, they've seen, they, they, she saw the cross on the building. I was like, oh, okay, okay I get it, whatever. And, and, but I, I, remember, um, I, I remember as we were building this, that there was a buzz in town about the church that was building out there. And I thought, man, if, there'd be a, if I'd walk into the bank and they'd just say, oh, Scott, I heard about your church. They just love each other, don't they? <laughs> Oh, Scott, I heard your, your church is the most loving. Pathway Church is the most loving church I've ever met, I've ever come in contact with. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd kind of like that to be said, that we love one another. In, in, a, in a world where it's so easy to figure out what we don't agree on, <laughs> let's agree on Jesus Christ. Hey, you may be a soccer mom. You, your kids may be out of the house. Your kids may be in band. You, you, whatever it is, whatever stage of life you're in, can we just say, you know what? We're going to put that aside and we're going to focus on Jesus. Jesus is the thing that brings us together. We fellowship together because Jesus is the same for all of us. What kind of church is this? It's a church devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Third thing, breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Now, <clears throat> put yourself in the shoes of the early church and early believers. You got to just, real quick, just go with me, can you? Can you just jump in the, in, the, in the phone booth and join Bill and Ted? And then let's just, let's, just, let's, let's go to Acts chapter 2. And, 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 and just imagine the conversations. We're talking weeks, months after Jesus was crucified right? Some of the people that Acts chapter 2 is written about right here, Acts 2.42, they saw the crucifixion happen. They saw the resurrected Christ. And they're sitting here. And imagine the conversation. Does anyone remember? I I know the, uh, the disciples had that last meal and it sounded like Jesus even said something. I don't know about do this in remembrance of me. Let's get together and let's have our love feet. Let's get together and have a meal and let's take communion. You know, if, if the people who saw Jesus alive and dead and resurrected need to be reminded about the centrality of Jesus in their life, how much more do people 2,000 years ago need to be reminded about the centrality of Jesus Christ in their life? That's you and me. We're committed to this. We're committed to communion, the breaking of bread and all that. We're committed to that. But even beyond that, really what that stands for is Jesus is at the center. One of the most practical ways that you can keep Jesus at the center, I know you're going to say you're a pastor. I knew you'd say this, but be here on Sunday mornings. In fact, think of it this way. Monday is not the first day of your week. Sunday is. Sunday's the first day of my week, and what am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that first day to the worship of God. And I'm going to go so that I can be reminded of how important Jesus is to me. Every single Sunday, I'm going to be there. Jesus is the center. Living so close to the time when Jesus was crucified, they still never wanted to forget what he did on the cross. What kind of church is this? It's... It's a church that has Jesus at the center of it all. 
Jesus is our immovable center. He isn't an optional weekend activity. He's not an add-on to our already busy life. He's not just a tradition. Jesus is who we build our lives around. That's the kind of church we are. Devoted to this. And the last one is prayer. Uh, I'm still trying to thumb through and pray through exactly. I only have three months to pray about this. But, um, but just thinking about prayer, I'm really convicted as your pastor that I'm concerned that we're a church who believes in prayer and we pray, but I'm not sure we have the culture of prayer in this church that I believe God wants us to have. And I'll take the blame for that one. I, I honestly, I was convicted over the past three months. I was convicted. Do we really believe? You see, when we pray, just the act of prayer is saying, I'm dependent on you, God. I can't do this on my own. And for some of you, you say, man, Christianity is just kind of boring. Can I just encourage you? Are you praying? Because what I found is the more I pray and the more I follow God through prayer, the more crazy things tend to get for the good. And just in the past year and a half, I don't know, we might explore this a little more, but I'm just going to say this. Just in the past year and a half, the Holy Spirit has, has shown, Megan and I have been in specific places at specific times where we have seen, even in this great little community we, we are in, in this area we're in, we've seen the, the, the complete, outright, demonic activity happening. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we saw like warring angels or anything like that, though we've had others say that about us. But we have sensed the spiritual atmosphere in this community, in this area, it's, it's trying to go just outright nutso away from God. And I'm, I'm just, I just want to declare here, I want every devil in hell to hear that we understand the power of prayer and we will be a praying church because we know Ephesians chapter six says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we're gonna put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, we're gonna be able to stand our ground and after we've done everything, we will stand. What kind of church is this? This is a praying church. We wanna see miracles happen happen. We want to see the supernatural happen. Sometimes I read the book of Acts and it makes me sick because it's just like, God, you did it then. Why can't you do it again? Stir our faith, oh God. Stir our faith. I, 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 my prayer is that, that the impact of this church would only be magnified. God wants the impact of this church and this community and this region only to be magnified, but it's only going to come as we are willing to get on our knees and pray and humble ourselves before him and ask him to change us, mold us, submit our will to his, and we pray your will be done, not mine. Church, I need you to be with me. Church, we gotta go there. We, this has gotta be, our first thought is prayer. Our first thought is prayer. Our first thought is God, I, I invite you into this situation. What kind of church is this? That's the kind of church. It's a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church. 
over 20 years ago as I conclude. In fact, would you stand? <clears throat> over 20 years ago, we laid out these dreams. What kind of church is this? What kind of church do we want to be? And this is what we prayed. We started praying. I'm talking like even before we had Sunday morning services. This is what we started praying. Lord, I pray that you'd make this church. Because when we wrote this, we didn't even have a name for this church. But a regional church that profoundly impacts Middlebury, Eastern Elkhart County, Indiana, the United States, and the world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. We are not trying to, uh, uh, to impact with church dogma or church tradition. We want the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. <laughs> That's our dream. It's a dream of a place where people can have an encounter with the living God, where the Holy Spirit's given control and the kingdom of God is manifested where the hurting, the hopeless, the discouraged, the depressed, the oppressed, and the confused can find love, acceptance, forgiveness, healing, help, hope, guidance, and encouragement. Church, if we've got the answer, we gotta get, we gotta get it out. You know, my prayer is, if for some horrible reason this church would cease to exist, here's the question, would they even notice? Are we so busy just doing stuff here that we're making no impact out there? A church that is distinctly patterned after the New Testament church in doctrine and experience. I want to say it this way. I want to do the stuff. There's a guy named John Wimber. He started the Vineyard Church. And just to declare, I, I don't agree with everything he said or did, but a lot of it I do. I, was, I read his biography and some other teaching that he has and he said I, I want to be a ch church to do this stuff when he first got saved he was in a church that that was like oh all that miraculous stuff move of the Holy Spirit the gifts of the Holy Spirit all that stuff uh, that was for the, the that's not for today that was for them back then and he's like well when I served the devil he was a musician the devil always like I could do the stuff for the devil when can we do this stuff for God and that's really how the vineyard church ever came to be. And, and if you've ever seen a vineyard church, it's a little teeny tiny bit of their, their history. But it's like, I want to do this stuff. I, I want to lay hands on people like Jesus did. I don't know. It seems like he says we can. And we pray the prayer of faith and see him healed. I want to see those that are bound by uh, demonic activity set free through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's messy. I was reminded the other day by Jason Brooks, we were talking and he reminded me, our dream as a church has always been, we want to be a church that walks toward the mess, not away from the mess. You got a mess? Okay, I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but I know one who is. Let's talk, let's pray, let's ask God. Church that walks toward the mess. It's a dream of a church, having as a church Christ's burden for reaching the lost. Can I just ask you something? I know this might be just something that pastors dream about, but have you ever, have you ever like allowed the Holy Spirit to give you a burden for your community? I'm not asking what church do you go to? Well, I go to Pathway. Yeah, I like it. Overall, it's a good church. You know, bald guy gets up there and preaches. He's, he's not bad. He's back now. 
that you would, that, you know, I'm, I think there, there have been seasons in my life where I've been so burdened for lost people in this community. Have you ever cried over people that you know in this county, in this area, that don't know Christ? I'm really not an overly emotional guy, but sometimes I go through seasons where that just gets me. Would you let the Lord do that? Let Christ give you his burden for reaching lost people and discipling new believers. It's a dream of a church that develops people into disciples, meeting, meeting them where they're at and growing them. My prayer is if you walk in this place with a cemetery, uh, seminary degree in, in... I'm just joking. You walk... You walk in here with a seminary degree and you, you're a doctorate and you've got a PhD. I mean, Bob Eby was with you a few weeks ago, maybe one of the most uh, schooled fellows that I know. I mean, uh, professor at seminary. My prayer is that if someone like that walks in here, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, our, the ministry of this church is gonna meet you where you're at and help you grow. If you, if you just now, maybe you're still in that, that stage of wondering, I don't know if I'm going to follow Christ or not, or you're a new believer. My prayer, our prayer has always been, God, help us to be a church that meets people where they're at and helps them to grow. We dreamed of a church um, that understands the power of prayer and obedience to the word of God. A church with relevant ministries that impact believers as well as the unbelieving. It's a dream of a fellowship of people worshiping, praying, loving, laughing, learning, sharing, caring, celebrating, serving. Man, we've been, we've been going at it for over 20 years now. I think we got a good start, but God's not done with us yet. It's overused, but I'm just going to say it. I'll tell you what's in my heart. The best is yet to come. We haven't seen anything yet. I believe, and I'm going to share more about this over the next few weeks perhaps, but I believe there is a move of the Holy Spirit that God is wanting to bring this church into. It's going to, it's going to be humbling, but it's going to be exactly what we need to be equipped to reach people who are yet to know Jesus. And uh, a Jesus-centered, Spirit-filled church and I guess I want to know, are you with us? Are you with me?